Well, good morning. I know you're disappointed they're done and I'm up here, but Carrollton, thank you so much, you guys, for being here today. We appreciate uh, you so very much. Uh, they were with us last year after Amplify. They uh, uh, were here for Amplify and the lead worship for us. Uh, they've been in our home. You're wondering how you get them to come to your home. Offer them homemade chicken and dumplings, and they will show up at your house, right? Uh, we had a great time with them and just got to know them, and they're just um, real men of God that just love Jesus. Um, just one more thing about them that I'll say. I mean, they just made it about Jesus this morning, didn't they? They got, they got great stuff in the back. I've got one of their shirts that says, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, you know, and I needed to wear that the other day. The other day I was kind of in that, you know, just kind of wondering if everything's going the way it ought to. And they got great stuff out there. We want to put good stuff in your ears and in your hearts, and uh, they'll uh, offer that. You can find that on your way out. But, man, what a great uh, just string of worship services we've had here at Holland Chapel. In case you don't know, my name's Kyle, and we're so glad to have each and every one of you. Uh, last week, what a day. Uh, you guys mentioned it. So many of you just stepped up with a heart of love and a heart of grace and a heart of generosity and a heart of compassion about a city in Cerros, Colorado, Peru, where we are planting a church and where we are sponsoring kids and just seeing, uh, going to see lives change forever. If you missed last week and you want to participate and you want to sponsor kids, there's still opportunity today on your way out. Um, the table that's right there in the entryway, there'll be a couple ladies out there. There are kids that you can sponsor. They can tell you all about that and you can join in just that amazing thing that God's doing in and through our church. Today we want to talk about what you're wearing, okay? What you're wearing. Um, there's a lot of um, fashion rules out there. I'm not sure like, like what really are the rules anymore. It seems like it's changing every day. I'll give a few that I kind of grew up with. Like you don't wear white after Labor Day, right? I don't know if that rule still applies. I was so tempted today to wear a pair of white pants that you may or may not heard of before. I still have them, and I thought about wearing them today just because of this whole fashion, what you're wearing kind of thing. You're supposed to wear black to a funeral. At least that's what we always see on the, uh, the movies, right? Um, have you ever gone to a ball game and you kind of wore the wrong colors? Like you just didn't, maybe you didn't know you were going. You got a last-minute ticket, and you just didn't have the right colors on. You felt kind of out of place. This idea of what we are wearing. When my wife and I are going out together, there you are, you moved over. When, um, when we go out together, it's not unusual for one of us to say to the other, hey, hey, what you wearing? What you wearing tonight? What you going to wear? What you going to wear? You know, you're dressing up, you're dressing down. How, how are you doing this deal? What are you wearing? Well, I'm not talking about what you're wearing this morning to make you self-conscious. Maybe some of you right now are thinking about what you have on. That's not really the point of all of this. In fact, if you feel a little self-conscious right now, I want to help you out just a little bit. And I want to like show you a little bit of my life and how it shaped me just a little bit. And um, in fact, when I was growing up, going to school, I went to a small Christian school. I didn't have to ask myself what I was wearing that day because we had uniforms and they were so, so special. I think maybe we have a little glimpse of that right now coming at you. Uh, we got a picture that's coming up there. 1987, that's me, folks, right there. That's me. Are you seeing that? Are you feeling that? That was every day. That is a red dress shirt. Ask me how many red dress shirts I have worn since I got out of that school. Zero! Every day we wore that shirt and that tie every day. We also had to wear, wear polishable shoes 
and a polishable belt. Are you following me here? If you're wondering if we had a few rules at that school, you would be correct. We had a few rules at that school. Every day did I wear that. Um, it was blue pants, polishable shoes, polishable belt. So as we think about what we wear, I want you to really think about what you're wearing. And I'm not talking about these and these. I'm talking about something more important than that as we think about Jesus and what he says that we should wear. Look at Colossians chapter 3. These first few verses are going to encourage you as believers. They are verses that uh, you should go back to often to build you up and to uh, allow the Spirit of God to just work in your life. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1. So since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Have you ever tried to picture what heaven's like? Have you ever tried to picture what God's like? Have you ever tried to picture what it looks like for Jesus to really fully, completely be in charge the way that one day he will be over everything? And the word of God's reminding us as believers, as Jesus' followers, to set our sights on that and to think about that and to dwell on that. Verse 2 talks more about thinking. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Do you think more about the things of heaven or do you think more about the things of the earth? I'll be honest with you, most days I think about things here more than I think about things there. And the word of God has instructed us to actually think more about heaven, the rule and the reign of Jesus, than this earth and the rule and the reign of whoever and whatever we are supposed to be focused on heaven. Some of you right now are discouraged and you are depressed. I mean, I mean that word like in its most impactful way. You are depressed right now because you are so focused on this place and this time and this world. I think I mentioned the other day, I don't watch the news very often. What does news cause you to do? It causes you to be completely focused on this world. I'm not saying you're wrong if you watch the news, but for me, it just sets my eyes on this earth. I get discouraged. I get down, I get mad, I get all kinds of things when I watch the news. And the word of God here is not talking about should you watch the news or not. It's just saying think about the things of heaven. Think about the things of heaven. Verse 3, for you died to this life. So in other words, we've got a new life now. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. It's a word of encouragement for those of us who are following Jesus, a word of encouragement for those of us who believe in him. Well, as we continue to look at Colossians chapter 3, and now we're going to look at verse number 5 on, it goes from building us up and reminding us of the things of heaven, and the next few verses are pretty heavy. Um, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of a tough, they're not kind of, they're a tough saying, um, and depending on what you've got going on in your life right now, you're going to view this maybe a little bit differently than the person sitting next to you. But I want to read Colossians chapter 3, beginning verse number 5. So, since that's who you are now, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. 
don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. The judgment of God is coming. It's pretty heavy, right? The Word of God talks about it a lot, and we're going to talk about it more. Verse 7. You who believers, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Now, again, depending on what you've been up to lately in your life, will determine how you have kind of heard, responded to, uh, felt as we read verse 5 through verse number 9. Also what you think and what you believe definitely where you are. One way that we can think and believe and therefore respond to this is this idea that God is good with you because you have been good. In other words, you read verse 5 through 9 and lately you've had a good streak, man. You have been faithful to your spouse. You haven't lied to anybody lately. You have just been doing good things lately. You've been going to church. You've been giving. You sponsored a kid last week. And right now you're thinking, man, I, God likes me right now. Me and God, we're like this because I have been good lately. So in other words, your thinking and your belief potentially cause you to think that God is good with you because you have been good. There's others of us, it's a little bit different right now. We're thinking and believing just a little bit different, and that is this. God is mad at you because you've been bad. You had not been on a good streak lately. In fact, maybe today's the first time you've been in church in a while. And in the meanwhile, you've been doing your thing with your purposes and your plans. And maybe today, just today, you thought, I hope they don't talk about sin today because I've been doing a lot of it lately. I didn't even have to read those verses, verse 5 through 9, for you to start feeling guilty about the things that you have done. And you're wondering if the lightning bolt is going to strike. You're wondering if the roof is going to fall in because you showed up today, right? And you think God is mad at you because you have been bad. And there's another way of thinking and believing that some of us land in, and that's this third one. And that is God is good with you because Jesus is good. Now, I hope this is where it lands for most of us this morning because I'm just here to tell you one and two that you see up there is erroneous. They're not biblical. It's not the way it works. God's not good with you because you are good. Let me tell you something. I don't know how good you've been, but it hadn't been good enough. And let me tell you something else. I don't know how bad you've been, but it hadn't been bad enough yet for God to write you off. And God wants to be good with you because of how good Jesus is. So let's talk about Jesus for just a second. Let's talk about how powerful his death is for your sins and with your confession and repentance for him to forgive you and to make you right with him. So ask me why I sang this morning. Did I sing because I'm the pastor? No, I sang because Jesus is good. Ask me why I'm going to heaven this morning. What's well, because you show up to church and you give and you sponsor the kid and you do all this good stuff. No, I'm going to heaven because Jesus died for my sin and he came back from the dead. That's why I'm going to heaven. So Jesus is good with me and Jesus is good with you only because he is good. And when I say good, I mean like perfect good. Because when we say good, what do we mean? Lately, I've been more good than I have bad. Therefore, I'm good, right? As long as the good outweighs the bad, then I'm good. When we talk about Jesus being good, we're talking about perfection. It's the reason why he was qualified 
completely to go to the cross to die for our sins because he was sinless. He was perfect. He did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. He said, I am perfect, and I want to lay down my life for your sins and for your transgressions. In fact, that verse 7 that we read, we're not going to go back and look at it, but it says you used to. That part jumped out at those of us that know that we are good because of Jesus. We know that we are different now, not because we've decided to be different or we've decided to go to church or we've decided to do good things. We know that we're different now because of Jesus and his goodness and his work in and through our lives. So here's the hope for all. Drop down to verse number 11, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 11. This is so good. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. You're like, well, what does that have to do with us today necessarily? This is kind of old stuff. Keep reading. It's going to click for you. Listen. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Again, what is that? What? 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 Keep reading. Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Okay, wait a minute. I hear those terms, but what's this saying to me today in, in this age and in this culture? Here's what it's saying. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. Here's what it says. Look at it. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. All of who? All of us who have confessed our sin and believed in Jesus and he's changed us. So this morning, maybe you're like, man, first five through nine, I've been guilty of some of that stuff lately. It's been really, really bad. I was scared to come here. I think God is mad at me because I've been doing so much bad. There is hope for you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you come from. Christ is all that matters. His death on the cross paid for all of that sin, and he wants to change your life today. And for those of us that have been changed, man, we should celebrate and we should glorify his holy, holy name. Now, if that is us, if we have experienced hope through salvation, through Christ and Christ alone, and Christ is all that matters, then really what he says should really, really matter to us, right? Like if Christ did that for me, if he was perfect and he was good and he died on the cross for my sins and he's forgiven me and I'm going to heaven now and I've got right relationship with God and God is good with me because Jesus is good, you would think that the words of Jesus would carry incredible weight in our lives. Like the words of Jesus would, would top every other word out there. Well, listen now what Jesus has to say to us and about us as we continue to think through this whole idea. Look at verse number 12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm going to reread it. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's what I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess most of us in the room focused on the last part of the verse rather than the first part of the verse. We immediately started assessing ourselves. Well, have I been very tenderhearted lately? Have I been kind lately? Have I been gentle? Have I, have I been humble? How am I doing? On a scale of 1 to 10, like right now, how am I doing? Are people thinking I'm good? Are they thinking I'm bad? What are the people around me? What has my family seen lately? You've, you potentially went right to the last part of the verse and started asking yourself, how am I doing right now? Don't miss 
the first part of this verse. Don't miss it. Here's the big idea of what I want you to get, and then we want to unpack verse number 12, okay? If you got your notes you're taking, you can fill this in. As we experience life change, okay, in Jesus, he wants to change your mindset and your outfit. As we experience life change in Jesus, he wants to change your mindset and your outfit. For some of you right now, you're thinking, i got to do better. I've not been the person I ought to be lately. I need to change that. I need to go to church more. I need to treat people better. I need to do something about that. And yet, if you'll really, really look at Scripture, it's Jesus that does something about that when we start saying yes to Jesus. He starts changing us inside out. When we believe in Jesus as our Savior, he forgives us of our sin. But he doesn't drop us there and say, okay, now you do better. He continues to work in our lives, and he begins to work on our minds. Romans chapter 12, we are changed by the renewing of our minds. Some of us have been programmed to think evil things. We've been programmed to think the way this world thinks, and the Word of God reprograms our minds so that we start thinking differently. How do I start thinking differently? I get the Word of God in me. I start studying it. I start believing it. I start memorizing it. I start speaking it. I do it over and over again. It begins to transform my mind. And as my mind is transformed, my life, my actions, my reactions, my outfit, if you will, begins to change. Look again at verse number 12. Look at the first part of it. Since God chose you, notice it doesn't say you chose God. It says God chose you. God picked you. I mean, God picked me. God picked you. Wait a minute. Surely God didn't pick me. The word of God says that he picked you. Why would he pick you? Because you're so good. Because you're so good looking. Because you're so kind. Because you're so gracious. Because you've gone to church so much. Because you've got a lot of money. Why would God pick you? God would pick you because he is kind and because he is gracious. Because he's loving. He says, I'm picking you. He says he picks you because he loves you. And he says that he picks you to be his holy people. Who makes you holy? Anybody want to answer that? Who makes you holy? I'm hearing two answers and they're both correct. Jesus and God because they're one and the same. You don't make you holy. You don't make you different. You don't make you set apart. Jesus is the one that makes you holy. Jesus is the one that sets you apart. He is the one that transforms you and reclothes you, gives you a new life, a new mind, and a new outfit. Because we see in verse number 12, it says that he begins to clothe us. He begins to clothe us. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. We looked at this verse last week because another translation, uh, you can render this word compassion. They are one and the same. Old translations calls this not tenderhearted mercy, but it calls it bowels of mercy. Did you hear what I just said right there? The seat of emotions many years ago was the bowels. Can you imagine walking up to your wife saying, hey, baby, I love you with all my bowels. My love just keeps flowing for you. You see how weird that's getting? You see how weird that's getting? I don't know who changed that back ago and said, let's go with heart, not bowels. But I think they made a solid move. I think they made a really solid move. Maybe his last name was Hallmark. I don't know. But anyway, it's a really solid move to change that up. 
Well, we're talking about something that comes deep from within us. A mercy and a compassion for others. And again, so many of you last week just exercised and showed forth your compassion last week. And many of you will take that opportunity today as we think about loving others and caring for them. This idea of compassion. This idea that God has changed our life and he's changed our minds and there begins to change our outfits and the way that we treat other people. Um, you, you ever seen somebody treat somebody some way and you're like, I can't believe they would do that. We went to a ball game yesterday and it was fourth grade, we missed that one because we got a sixth grade and we, we showed up at the end of the fifth grade game ready for the sixth grade game. And we saw a fifth grade game just we saw people lose their minds at a fifth grade football game. Lose their minds. Can you believe I did that? No, I didn't do that. We saw one guy come out of the fifth grade football, come out of the stands, yelling and screaming about the call that was made, came onto the field. Referee had to say, you're out of here. Police officer had to say, get out of here. Fifth grade football. What's wrong with people? You watch the news, you're like, how could they do that? Some very extreme things that happen in our world today that are ugly and sinful and they happen all the time. And you may think they're happening over there. They're happening here. Things like slavery and sex trafficking. In case you didn't know it, it's happening under our noses in our culture and in our community as well. And you say to yourself, man, how can people treat people like that? It's because of how they view themselves and therefore how they view other people. Let me tell you how those people view other people. They don't view them as people. They're commodities to them. And all of a sudden, when a person becomes a commodity to you, you'll do anything to them. You'll do anything with them. You'll, you'll, you just don't care about them anymore. They're no longer a human being for you. And so as we begin to seriously think, God, how do you think about me so that I think right about me, so that I think right about others, guess what happens in turn? We start treating other people with things like compassion. We start looking a lot more like Jesus. How easy, how easy would it be for Jesus to say, you know what? All you people down there that I created, all of you are just too far gone. You have messed up too bad. All I see is sin. All I see is corruption. All I see is evil. And so you know what? That's all you are. You're just a bunch of evil people. I don't like you. I don't want you. I don't want to die for you. Instead, he sees us and he sees people that he created and that he loves and that are redeemable, redeemable and people that he, that he cares for and that he cherishes and therefore he dies for us. And so he says, hey, just like Jesus since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. The list goes on, and we're going to talk about a couple of them. But at first I thought, well, maybe I should bring like several layers of clothing up here, right? Like as we talk, and I should put on, I should put on tender-hearted mercy, and then I should put on kindness, and then I should put on humility, and I should put on gentleness, and I should put on patience. Maybe I should layer up. But the more I thought about this and considered this idea, this is one piece of woven together by the Holy Spirit that he wants to clothe you with. It's not today I'm going to be compassionate and tomorrow I'm going to be patient. No, it's putting all of this on, on that only the Holy Spirit of God can do. It goes on to say there in Scripture about kindness. Kind, could we use a little more kindness in our world? 
Could you use some more kindness in your family? Some of you are afraid to say amen right there because, you know, you're wondering how that's going to be reacted to right now, right? I'll just go and say amen. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not naturally compassionate. I'm not naturally kind. I'm not naturally gentle. I'm not naturally humble. I'm not naturally patient. That's, that's not who I am naturally. But the Spirit of God says, I want to clothe you with something different. I've changed you. I'm changing your mind. I want to change your outfit. I want to change how you interact with other people. Yeah, we could use more kindness in our world. We could use more kindness in our families. We could use more kindness in our church. Mark Twain says this about kindness. Listen, he says, kindness is a language the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Mark Twain. You read it again? Say it again. Kindness is a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Author unknown, if you can't be kind, be quiet. Your mama said it a different way, didn't she? If you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. We could all probably choose to speak less, couldn't we? Kindness. Let me tell you how much of a big deal kindness is. You're like, okay, well, we're supposed to be kind. I get it. I get it. I want to show you how big of a deal it is. Look at Romans chapter 2 and verse number 4. Romans chapter 2. I want to show you what a big piece, big role that kindness plays in Christianity. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 4. Now, if you read the verses leading up to this, man, we're talking about God saying this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. I mean, God's making it very plain. He's talking more about his anger and about his judgment, which is real and is coming. But then, verse 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. Are you seeing what we're reading right here? God says, if you're saved, it's because I was kind. I was patient. God's powerful. He can judge you right now. He could send the lightning if he wanted to. He could wipe everybody out. He could bring judgment today. But today, because of his grace, he chooses kindness. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, ultimately it's because of his kindness that has said, you know what, we're going to set judgment aside for just a little bit. Is this judgment coming? Absolutely. Absolutely. But for those of us as believers, he chose to take out his judgment on Jesus. And we see his kindness and we see his love. So guess what people see in us as believers? Guess what they see in us when they see kindness? Do they see a kind person? Sure, but it's deeper than that. They see a changed person who's acting like Jesus. Acting like Jesus. Oh, that kindness would rule in our lives and our hearts as Jesus takes over. Again, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12. This list here of clothing yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are all things that describe Jesus. Look now to the next verse, verse number 13. Make allowance for each other's faults. So it's almost like God knew in advance that we were going to mess up. It's almost like he knew in advance that we were going to have to deal with imperfect people. I don't know about you, but I think you ought to give me a break when I mess up. But if I'm not careful, 
I don't want to give other people a break when they mess up. And the Word of God just reminded me and reminded you, the people around us, even people we're married to, are going to mess up. They are not going to be perfect. The moment that you start realizing that the people around you aren't perfect, then they need the grace that you got from Jesus to be extended to them through you. Life will go a lot better. God, teach me that. God, teach me that. Making room, it says. Making allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Notice this next part. It doesn't say, so you get to forgive other people. What does it say? So you must forgive others. Now, verse number 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let me ask you a question. What if we, the church, put on this outfit? What if we allowed the life change that Jesus has brought into our lives to change our minds so radically that he changes our outfit and we are known for being people that are controlled and filled by the Spirit of God and therefore we are consistently through his grace and through his life change compassionate, kind, gentle, and patient. Let me tell you what I think would start happening. I think more of my friends and more of your friends. I think more of my neighbors and more of your neighbors would start coming to Jesus. Because we are not saying, you know what, God's good with us because we're good. No, we're saying God is good with us because Jesus is good. And he's changed my life so much that I'm treating you different because I'm looking at you through the lens of Jesus now. What if we, the church, put on this Outfit Again, as we experience life change, okay, he wants to change our mindset and change our outfit. Let me ask you a couple questions. Has Jesus changed your life? Have you come to a place where you're like, Jesus is real. Like, he really lived here, and he didn't do it, like, well. He did it perfectly. And have you come to the place of realizing, like, that he laid down his life on the cross and suffered and bled and died there for your sins and for your transgressions, and that he came back from the dead, and you're like, you know what? I'm going with the guy that died for me, and I'm going with the guy that came back from the dead. He rules. He reigns. I want him in my life. Forgive me. Has he changed your life? Because if he hasn't, he can today. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to change your life. If he's changed your life, has he changed your mind? Or are you still just thinking about yourself and others the way the world thinks about you and the way the world thinks about others? Are you allowing the word of God to change your thinking to the point that you realize you're God's holy person because he picked you and because he changed you and because he's working in you and that you should view other people as his creation and the ones he died for and the ones that he wants to redeem? And therefore, has he changed your outfit? Has he changed... Is what, do you put on compassion and love and forgiveness and gentleness and patience? Have you put on these things through the Spirit of God? Man, what if we, the church, what if we put on this outfit? In just a couple moments, uh, I'm going to pray. Um, before I pray, I want to tell you what we're about to do. We're about to, um, in just a few moments, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. Carrollton's going to lead us, and uh, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to God. 
We're going to have an opportunity to respond to God um, in faith. Maybe today you need salvation. You need to receive him and experience this life change. There are going to be pastors up here you can come pray with, you can talk to. Man, they'd love to point you to Jesus. Maybe God's just working on your mind right now, or he's making you recognize, you know what, your outfit, just, it's raggedy right now. It's not what it ought to be. It's not, you're not representing me well, and you want him to change that about you this morning. Then seek him and ask him to do that very thing. It's also going to be an opportunity to worship in generosity and giving. Um, our ushers are going to pass um, our offering buckets. And, man, you can just worship God through your giving, and you can celebrate who he is. And if it's your first time here, it would be a great opportunity for you to drop in your communication card because we are so glad that you're here. But we don't want you to miss Jesus this morning. And I want to ask this question again to you, church. What if we, the church, put on this outfit?